but in my case, we had a similar situation, only they didn't know where the egg had implanted and it was possible that it had gone outside of the reproductive system and was in my um, abdominal region somewhere. Wow. So, okay. So then uh, I had to go take the chemo because um, to put it very bluntly, mm. um, chemotherapy kills fast growing cells. And they said, we have to end this pregnancy basically before it ends you. And I was so much just going through the motions of protocol and emergency and, and just swept up and all of that, that it didn't hit me until later that um, I killed my baby. Mm. <laughs> and that is really hard for someone who is pro-life, who um, I believe every life is precious and there was no way I would have ever or would I ever choose to end my own pregnancy. Hello and welcome to Labor Pains Podcast. I am your host, Teresa Reiniger. I am so glad that you are here. If you are here for the very first time, welcome. I am so glad that you have found me. If you have been with me before, a huge welcome back to you. This podcast is a place, it's a platform where I have been spreading awareness, connecting and supporting those that have experienced the struggles of infertility or loss of a child during pregnancy or infancy. We talk about feeling alone, isolated, the grief and where to find support. I hold space here where professionals share how they can support you and those that have personally have experienced infertility or loss can share their stories to connect and give support to others. Your healing and happiness is very important to me. My listeners and clients have shared that they feel like they are not sure what to do. Their relationships are hard. They're feeling alone and isolated, feeling like no one understands and their needs are not being heard. I hear you. I see you. And we talk about them. We're spreading awareness and giving you a voice. If hope and healing is what you're looking for, you have come to the right place. Hi, Stacy. Welcome to Labor Paint Podcast. I'm so glad that you're able to join me this morning is when we're recording. Uh, so welcome, welcome to Labor Thank Paint. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You are so welcome. I just realized that I said the name of the podcast and it's kind of, and I'll just talk about this a minute here. I'm revamping, relaunching, and the podcast name will probably change oh. um, coming here as I start my fourth year of podcasting. So I'm not sure what that is, but welcome. When we're recording, it's still labor pain. So I'm glad that you're here with me. Thank you. So we have just talked and just met um, through, we're introduced through a mutual friend. And so I don't know, I don't think your entire story, um, but I'm excited uh, to, for the listeners to hear your story. And most importantly, I'm excited for them to hear it um, so that gives them hope, so they can um, just feel the love and the connection um, to other women that have experienced um, losses and are navigating through it and um, 
have gotten, they've gotten hope some, from somewhere else and support. And so just to be able to share that on the podcast is really my mission and my goal here. So I'm so glad um, you're here and that um, we can get to know each other a little bit and you can share and give all those other women and men um, some hope on their journeys if they're just the beginning of their journey. So before we go and get jump into your story, I would love for you to share who this beautiful woman that's sitting in front of me that I can see through Zoom named Stacy. Who is Stacy? Well, thank you. Uh, first, I want to thank you for having me on and also just say that the, the purpose of this um, mission of yours is amazing. Uh, when I went through my miscarriages, you know, you know that people go through them, but you don't know how many people. It's not something that people just typically talk about. Mm -hmm. So uh, just knowing that there are other people that have walked this road is so much support. So just getting this out there is such a great thing. So I just want to thank you for your time and attention to an issue that really isn't talked about enough. So um, I'm Stacy. I'm Stacy McClevitz. Um, first and foremost, I'm a Christian. And, and I underscore that detail because it was my faith and my relationship with Jesus that um, really carried me through this. It carried my husband and I through this. It, um, it was the glue that kept us focused on um, just moving forward. So uh, there's so much to that, but that's, that's number one who I am. Um, and then almost as important is I am um, Brian's wife. So I um, married the love of my life almost 19 years ago. So we'll be 19 years married in October. Congrats. Thank you. And at the time I was working for a local bank and um, then I retired to become a stay-at-home mom when my first child was born. So we have two sons, 16 and 13. And uh, that whole journey began in 2007. So, mm -hmm. and really as far as, uh, who I am, that is it in a nutshell. <laughs> I know it's <laughs> simplistic, uh, but there's, I'm just at this point in my life, spending so much of my life uh, running the household and supporting my husband and my kids. And I love that part of my life. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, a lot of people have different goals and dreams and really that's my goal and dream right now. So I'm just right where I want to be. Perfect, perfect. And we know that things change at, you know, as we, as we go through life. Sure. And so I love that you are very clear on what your purpose is right now, where, what brings you joy and, and just running a household. I love that you you have said that because sometimes women are like, um, don't feel mm -hmm. necessarily that worthiness. You know, it's like, well, I just, stay at home with the kids. Okay. No, that's a big deal. That right. is a big a lot deal. Of work. It is a lot of work. It is a lot of work, you know, and not to discredit those moms and women that, that do and, and work, you know, it's all important. And I think as women uniting on that, we support each other in, mm -hmm. in whatever, whatever role that our path we go down. So I love right. that you're, you love where you're at now. And I know as women, things shift, you know, your, your, your boys will grow and things will shift and there'll be mm -hmm. another, and it's still, 
it's going to be take care of the home and the family, but there may be like, oh, I want to do this sure. thing. And, it, and, and a lot of times it's not even a job per se. Right. It's like just being involved in things. So I love, I'll say it again. I love <laughs> that you have said that you are right where you want to be and your, your purpose and, and your joy is, is right there, you know, with your family. So I love that. So obviously with you saying that though, family is very important mm-hmm. to you. And like you already mentioned, there were some miscarriages, there were some loss um, along the way in that journey. So I would love for you to share sure. kind of how that journey, how that all, what you endured and how you, how you came to be where you are now with two living sons that you mentioned, but there were, there was others. Right. Right. So uh, I'll start with the timeline and feel free to interrupt me with questions or or whatever. So uh, in 2007, that's when my oldest son was born and uh, the, the pregnancy was not without its difficulties. And one of the difficulties was something that uh, we didn't really make a big deal out of. It, it kind of comes back later to haunt us, but I had what I thought at the time I called a, a blind spot in my eye and uh, that started late in the pregnancy and persisted through delivery and then it went away. So that's something Mm. I said we'll address later, but that's a Mm -hmm. a detail. And then difficult pregnancy, preterm labor, um, all the things that just make pregnancy miserable. You know, some people Mm -hmm. love being pregnant and um, kind of envy that just because I didn't, I hated it. I was morning sickness for the first three months, solid morning, noon, and night. And, um, you know, just the whole thing. So, um, I had a difficult delivery C-section and then when Ethan was here, that was, um, that was our miracle. We were happy. Mm -hmm. Um, my blood clot, my retina, which we found out later was a blood clot. The, the blind spot went away. Didn't think anything of it. And he was just almost a year old when, um, so he was under a year when I had one of those periods that just didn't stop. Um, I was two Mm. weeks into it. My mom was on her way. I distinctly remember she was on her way to our house. We were going to go, I don't know, shopping together. Pardon me. And I called the doctor that morning because we were going into um, St. Louis and I that's where my doctor is. And so I called and let them know what was going on. Just thought maybe they might want to see me or something. And the first thing they said was, well, we need a negative pregnancy test before Mm. we can move forward. And I was like, that's odd. I mean, I just ended my period. How can I be pregnant? So I asked my mom if she would pick one up on the way to the house and she swung by Walgreens, stopped by the house. I took it and instantly it was pregnant and I, Mm. I was shocked. Um, I didn't know how that could be. So I called the doctor and let them know. And they said, we need you here immediately. So I got the sense of urgency. We went in, called my husband. He met us there and they did um, a pregnancy test in the office. They did an ultrasound. They did the blood test. Uh, There was clear um, blood results that I was pregnant, but nothing showed up on the ultrasound. Mm -hmm. Pardon me. So they were 
concerned about that. The very day, next day, they made sure that I had an appointment for a DNC. They thought that I was having an ectopic pregnancy, although they could not find anything through the ultrasound in the fallopian tubes. So they were checking for um, evidence of implantation in the uterus. Mm -hmm. I went through the DNC, all of that came back negative. So the very next day, they made me go through a round of chemo. So basically their point was that I had what was considered to be an atopic ectopic pregnancy. So most ectopic pregnancies are those that the egg is fertilized in the fallopian tube and it doesn't make its way down to the uterus. Mm -hmm. So um, it implants in the fallopian tube and, and stays there and grows and the fallopian tube explodes. And in fact, we've had a family member that that has happened to and it's tragic and painful and, and all of those things. Yeah. And so um, that I was familiar with, but in my case, we had a similar situation only they didn't know where the egg had implanted and it was possible that it had gone outside of the reproductive system and was in my um, abdominal region somewhere. Wow. Okay. So then uh, I had to go take the chemo because um, to put it very bluntly, mm. um, chemotherapy kills fast growing cells. And they said, we have to end this pregnancy basically before it ends you. And I was so much just going through the motions of protocol and emergency and, and just swept up and all of that, that it didn't hit me until later that um, I killed my baby. Mm. <laughs> and that is really hard for someone who is pro-life, who um, I believe every life is precious and there was no way I would have ever, or would I ever choose to end my own pregnancy? Yeah. Um, you know, in the in that case, the the chance that the baby would have ever made it to term, and I would have survived through that, was very slim. Mm -hmm. But it's still it it messed with me then, and even now, you know, sometimes it can creep up in into you know what if kind of thing. So sure, sure. Yeah. So that was in February of '08. By the summer of that year, we were pregnant again, mm -hmm. and. Um, we went in, we had the ultrasound and they found it right away, you know, so we didn't have to worry about the ectopic pregnancy, which in and of itself mm -hmm. is an issue because they at that time told me that the potential for recurrence is about 66%. Once you have one ectopic pregnancy, you are mm -hmm. um, pretty predisposed to have many more. Mm -hmm. So we determined right away that that was not the case for us. So we were pregnant that summer, had the ultrasound. We were excited because we were assured that once you see the heartbeat on the ultrasound, the chance for uh, miscarriage goes way down. So um, we then went on a family trip to Washington, DC. And I recall just all the walking, which it was still early in the pregnancy, but I just felt such pressure in my abdomen. And I just kept saying, you know, I can't walk anymore. And we had to get a, um, a cab at that time to take us back to the hotel. And I was uncomfortable for a while, but then that passed. Okay. And uh, that stays in my head now because then my subsequent checkup after that, we found that there was no heartbeat and we had mm. lost who we, we found later was our baby girl at 13 weeks. So uh, we had named her Olivia. Mm -hmm. And I'm fairly certain that the time that we lost her was when we were in, in DC, just because of the way I felt. Sure. sure. So um, 
that was devastating. That was, you know, the first miscarriage I had, it was just more about going through the motions because I didn't have time to wrap my mind around the fact that I was pregnant. You know, I was just dealing with one thing after another. And that came with its own set of issues, you know, just, just the emergency of it all kind of freaked me out. And then even going through the chemotherapy, sitting in a room full of cancer patients, when that was not my story was just, was so surreal. And then fast forward to another miscarriage where, um, you know, I had to go through the DNC again Mm -hmm. and, um, just dealing with the pain of the loss and the loss of the expectation and the hopes and the dreams that, you know, as soon as you find out you're pregnant, that's where you go. Mm -hmm. And, um, I have to say at this point, it was when it, it hit me, um, my husband was so supportive and knowledgeable through the first miscarriage because he is a pharmacist, he's a doctor of pharmacy. And so he understands a lot of medical things and he's usually two steps ahead of me and what he's about how all of this is going to play out. So he knew kind of what was going on with that. And, and he was just silently there ready to take the Mm -hmm. next step with our second miscarriage. Um, we were blindsided and he was in there with me for the ultrasound. Um, and I remember when the ultrasound tech asked if we wanted to take a picture because they could see the baby, there was just no heartbeat. And instantly I said, no, you know, I was, I was angry and I was, we were both like overcome with emotion. I mean, I was sobbing, I was angry. And, and she said, do you want a picture? And I said, no, you know, I'm thinking in my head, I don't, I don't want a photo of my dead baby. You know, who wants that? And looking back, I wish I would have gotten that, but, um, yeah, (laughs) um, what bothers me the most is that Brian wanted it and I didn't give him the chance. So, um, we worked through that and, you know, the doctors pant your hand and, and say, we're sorry. And then they scheduled the DNC and, and then we left the office and it was in a hospital. We go to a, a big hospital, mercy hospital for people that know. Mm-hmm. Um, so we went down to the cafeteria just so I think because number one, it was lunchtime, you know, you're going through the motions. And we got food and we sat down and I can remember eating it, but not remember tasting it and just crying. And, and Brian was making the phone calls and telling his mother-in-law or his mother, my mother-in-law, and, and I had to call my mom and we had to tell them that, that we lost the baby. And it was just so mechanical. Mm-hmm. And uh, so then knowing what I had been through and knowing the difficulty of the first miscarriage and then the ectopic pregnancy and then this miscarriage i i was already thinking i'm done yeah but i hadn't yeah. talked to brian yet um because yeah. i i tend to make decisions <laughs> and then <laughs> well what do you think well, i didn't say anything to brian yet about that but um we did go back with a follow-up with my doctor you know obviously there are, are many of those when you have to go through the dnc and stuff like that and yeah. i mentioned to him hey by the way uh, with my first pregnancy, I had 
blind spots in my retina. And with my second pregnancy, I had blind spots. And um, he said, we need to take a thrombophilia test. And through that point, I think I forgot to mention, I did finally follow up with a, a retinal specialist who dilated my eye and mapped my retina and found that it was a blood clot. So mm -hmm. uh, we, and, and both of those doctors, by the way, the retinal specialist and my um, OB are friends. So uh, they're very familiar with each other and, and I guess they communicated, I can't even recall, but he, mm -hmm. uh, my OB took blood work and tested me for many things, but the results were that I have something called MTHFR, and that uh, stands for methylene tetrahydrofolate reductase deficiency. Mm -hmm. And um, the people that have it know about it, the people that don't have it don't know anything about it, and I get it. Mm -hmm. uh, but it, um, in my case, it is a gene uh, mutation that plays into all kinds of health issues and um, it can increase blood clots and make pregnancy difficult it mm -hmm. can lead to miscarriage and then you know later in life i'm more susceptible to cancers and, and things of that nature so it's just it's kind of a bear yeah um, but when we got that information it was more or less a nail on the coffin for me and i was like no we're done yeah. so i talked to brian and we decided um he he comes from a bigger family so he was wanting more children and it's not that i didn't want more it's just that we both decided that uh, it was probably in our best interest for me to stop trying to have babies because it just wasn't working out for me personally medically yeah. and our son needed a mother and so we were working through um, the vasectomy process that was how we decided to deal with it because i because of my mthfr i, I cannot take uh, birth control or any kind of hormonal birth control that can lead to blood clotting. So okay. that was the safest approach for all of us. And um, he decided to contact his doctor and they were working through whether or not to do the procedure in a clinic setting or a hospital. So that was something that my husband was going to call the insurance company to decide, you know, what okay. they would cover. So we got that news one day. The next morning was the day that Brian was going to call the insurance company. And I woke up that morning just feeling off. So I took a pregnancy test. And it was positive. <laughs> Guess what? <laughs> yeah. And yeah. You know, and I cried. And it was it was early morning. Um, so I climbed back in bed with Brian and I cried. <laughs> I'm pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> that was not good news at that point. Right. Um, so that was in 2009 and in January 2010, Elijah was born. So, mm -hmm. uh, and then we shut down the baby factory. So we're done. <laughs> yeah. And but that, that pregnancy was okay. Or you had the blind spots again. Uh, or? Yes. And, and I do, I still deal with them now. So mm -hmm. uh, I typically have anywhere from one to three blood clots in my retina. It's in my left eye. And they appear as though the best way I can describe it to someone is um, if you stare at a light bulb or when somebody takes a flash photo and you get that almost white blood spot that when you, I mean, blind spot that when you blink your eyes, you know, you can still see it for a few minutes mm -hmm. and then it goes away. Uh, that's me only when I blink my eyes, I still see it and it doesn't go away. 
So, mm-hmm. and then they will eventually cycle out and then they come back. It's, it's kind of weird, but it, it's mm-hmm. just, it is what it is. So yeah. um, it's just kind of a reminder that I'm always going to have this to deal with, but but yeah. yeah, I did have those with Eli too, and then they went away. And as it was explained to me through my retinal specialist, um, with pregnancy, some people just get retinal blood clots because of the mm. massive amount of blood volume that our bodies make. So it was not an alarming situation back then until my OB stepped in and said, you know, if this keeps recurring, let's go ahead and take um, blood and we'll test it. And then mm-hmm. we ended up with that result. Yeah. So, so with the last pregnancy, then did they do something to help prevent the blood clotting? I know there are people that they do injections and stuff because right. of that. So did you do that as well? It was discussed. And okay. so the decision, I, I went to a maternal fetal specialist mm-hmm. and we decided to go through um, bi-weekly non-stress tests through my entire pregnancy until it was the last month or two I did weekly and decided not to do that because my first pregnancy was or my first delivery was an emergency c-section and we knew that we would have a c-section scheduled and if it you know if Eli decided to come early which he did um then it would be kind of an emergency kind of C-section situation. And mm-hmm. they would have otherwise then have to pump me full of vitamin K for clotting. Second. And so when they open you up like that, it just becomes, you know, a perfect storm. Right. Uh, so they decided to do the stress tests instead to keep um, on top of any changes. And looking back, um, everything turned out perfectly. I mean, the, the fact that we have two medically perfect children out of what we know to be at least my genetic storm and you know potentially whatever brian may have went to the situation at least for um my miscarriage which i failed to mention um olivia when we lost her we found that she actually had her own genetic defect called monosomy Mm. So, um, had she been born, she would have been profoundly affected physically and mentally. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we don't know, we didn't do enough testing. It was re- recommended, but we didn't do it because at that yeah. time we, we were just not going to have babies anyway. <laughs> yeah. You know, God has a different way of answering that, but, uh, mm-hmm. he sure does. <laughs> <laughs> genetic testing would have determined whether or not, um, you know, the issues came from my side or Brian's side, but you know, right. we didn't, really, we didn't care. Um, but the fact yeah. that we ended up with genetically, well, as far as we know, and medically perfect children, um, they're, they're both brilliant and beautiful. Yeah. They're miracles. They're miracles. So they are, they are for sure. Um, and those that listen to this podcast know how much all the, the, uh, children are miracles, that we are miracles in ourselves. So I wanted to go back to you. It was interesting. I'm going to kind of go with the last thing, and I'm going to work my way back to some things that you had said. So doing genetic testing, I know, like, when I had my uh, third daughter, she was born with a birth defect, and when I got pregnant for the fifth time, um, the doctors wanted me to do genetic testing because of my daughter's 
uh, birth defects. Mm-hmm. And I, same thing, like we were done after that. I lost that last pregnancy, miscarriage, we were done. And, but they wanted me to do genetic testing while ha- that pregnancy, you know, just to make sure of things. And, and I lost the baby and we never did it. And then after the fact, I was like, I was like you, like we were done. We don't need to do all this, done. Um, but then when my daughters now are having children or were having children and they did genetic testing and it was like, I kind of felt a little bit like, well, maybe I should have done that genetic testing to find out if it was me, my husband or where it was in the bloodline. And if they carried whatever it was, mm-hmm. um, it's kind of what came later. And we know now because of my daughter's history, they did, two of them did a lot of genetic testing. And so there's nothing that has ever been found. So just one of those, you know, just things that happen, Um, which, you know, I was grateful that, okay, it wasn't anywhere that we could find anywhere. I mean, there's layers and layers and layers of genetic testing. Like first you do this genetic test and then, you know, don't find anything. And now you do another layer and another layer and another layer. And so I don't remember how many layers they did. Um, but nothing really was found, which I was like grateful, you know. <laughs> right, right. Yes. One thing that you kind of said at the beginning that I just want to highlight a little bit was what you said about your husband with the first miscarriage and then also even with the second, that the support that he gave, that he was just there to support you. Um, and that's beautiful. You know, I just see that as beautiful that he, you know, I think sometimes people want to give advice and they want to take control of the situation or whatever. And that he was just there to support you um, through that, which I love that, that he did that. Um, I just want to go, yeah, I just want to go back to, and it is difficult. And I think that's part of the podcasting as well. And just you know, getting things out there for people to know mm-hmm. that there's definitely emotion for you still there with wishing you would have grabbed that picture. And I think mm-hmm. that's a big thing for people is just to know that there are other women that have gone down this path and and them sharing what they did that was so beneficial to them. And even those things that they didn't do and wish they had. Right. So that those that are new in it or or could experience it soon, you know, which we don't want that ever. Oh, absolutely. But if it does happen, that there's that knowing for them, you know, that it's, it's, there's just so many things I feel like that we can do. And the medical staff doesn't always know what you want. Mm-hmm. And it, the more educated we are as women and can say, hey, I want this. And the medical staff, for the most part, are very, very accommodating, mm-hmm. very compassionate, empathetic with the losses and are very willing to support and help in any way they can. But I think and all medical stuff, we have to advocate for ourselves and put that out there. Right. So that, I'm glad that you shared that. Um, 
as something that if someone else is listening to this, like if the nurse says, do you want a picture of this? Just grab it. You don't ever have right. to look at it. You don't or you ever can throw it away if it. you don't yeah. want it. But yeah, but absolutely. Say yes to really, if you can, all of those things that you might be like, oh, I don't, I don't ever want to look at that. Just, just, I would encourage, and I assume that you would too, encourage, would. just go ahead and, and do that. Um, is kind of what I, I took from that. You and I have both walked through this. We know that those emotions um, ebb and flow. I don't want to say that they go away because there's still times, mm -hmm. you know, this is, um, she would be 13 or 14 years old this year. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the, the pain of that, I almost said diminishes, but it doesn't, it kind of just sets aside for a bit, but it comes back mm -hmm. sometimes. Yeah. And um, th the same way with how you feel when you deal with it, you know, I was mad. I'm not mad anymore. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, had I not been mad, I might've made a different decision. But um, it's okay to be mad. So I don't want yeah, <laughs> I don't want yeah. anybody to feel bad about that. I don't want anybody to feel bad about how they feel. But maybe just um, consider that you might feel differently later. And, yeah. um, you know, even with Brian, I didn't consider his feelings at the moment. I was so just narrow focused um, on what I was experiencing at the time. Mm -hmm. And um, like, like you mentioned, and, and I did too, he's, he was an amazing amount of support and support looks different for everybody. So in my case, um, you know, that doesn't mean that he was quiet and just silently there, although he was very silently strong. He was um, a matter of support in explaining to me what I was going through because my brain was just in autopilot. So, um, but you know, at that moment through autopilot, I missed out on an opportunity. So you're very right yeah. to point that out. Just do your best to get all of the things, anything that's offered to you, take it in the moment because you can always discard it later, but yeah. odds are you'll be glad you took it. Yeah, you can't can't go back to grab those right. things. Right. So grab, grab them at the time. So a couple things that I want to, um, questions that I want to ask, see if we can elaborate on a couple things here. Sure. Um, so at the beginning, very much so, you indicated you are a woman of faith, Christian. How was that during this time when you had those losses? Because I know sometimes women, couples go either way. You know, they really draw on that and you indicated you know, it was great support to you, but I want to elaborate on that. And other times to go like, there, there really isn't, there can't be a God. He would have not allowed that. So it's both. And so I was just curious, how did your faith um, come to be, play out during that time? A little bit of background. I have been a Christian for decades. Um, I turned 50 this year, so... <laughs> Congratulations been, on that. Right? <laughs> um, that's been a large part of my story uh, through most of my life. And I have had other hardships. So I am familiar with what it feels like to um, walk through some serious sorrow and have the only thing that makes me get out of bed in the morning be the promise that Jesus is walking through me or through mm -hmm. it with, and, um, mm -hmm. you know, that, that they're if there's no resolution in this life, then in, in heaven, everything will be perfect. So 
Um, that was something I had um, experienced before. And then also, you know, as we talk about the number of people that have had miscarriages, I am one of two siblings. My brother and his wife went through a lot and I don't want to tell their story, but uh, there was a time when she was pregnant that she um, went into preterm labor also with my now 23, almost 24 year old niece and nephew, they're twins. Mm. And uh, that was a pregnancy that was hard to come by. And we were all very excited. So when we thought that she was losing them, mm. I can remember just being devastated myself and having this prayer and asking God at the time, why? Why are you letting this happen? And it had always been a practice for me to never ask why, because I always believed that he has a purpose. And not that it's wrong for us to ask why, but, you know, it's not always our place to know. So that was a moment for me that I was asking why. And I just felt him lay upon my heart, um, not in an audible voice or anything like that. But um, his answer to me was, don't take your eyes off of me. Mm. That was it. That was the answer to my why. Mm -hmm. So, you know, fast forward, these babies are born and now they're, they're beautiful. I love them. My niece and nephew, they're, <laughs> they're amazing. Um, yeah. so, you know, now that I'm walking through this, um, I knew through experience, through other non-pregnancy related experiences. And even this, I just had to keep my eyes on him mm. and on the promise that, um, you know, Jesus knows that we are broken, sinful people. He laid his life down and suffered for us so that we could live in eternity with him. And uh, my babies are in heaven with him and I yeah. will be in heaven and someday see them. And one we know is Olivia and we know she's a girl. And I've, you know, when you know those details, you wonder what, what is she like? What would she have been like? What would she have been mm. like if she would have been born with her profound disabilities? What would she have been like if she would have been born perfect? And I mean, all of these, things that go through your head and um, we will know what she will be like in a perfect body. And we will meet our other baby that we didn't even know we had until we had lost it, you know? So, right. so that is the hope and hope so much carries us. Even people that don't have a Christian faith know what it's like to walk through pain with hope, the hope of knowing you're going to get to the other side. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, it was very helpful that Brian and I both um, have a very firm faith in Jesus. And, and that brought us together so that when we grieved, we grieved in our own ways because everybody does. Um, there's right. no right way to walk through something like this. Mm -hmm. um, but as we grieved, we grieved with the understanding that um, Jesus is going to get us through it. And we have the hope of knowing that we're going to see our babies again. And um, mm -hmm. really, that was everything. And then, you know, the, the beauty of the rainbow baby, we do have the perfect story, I know, and my heart breaks for the people that don't. Mm -hmm. But um, Eli was the perfect rainbow baby. And when I say perfect, oh, golly, he wasn't a perfect baby, that child. <laughs> He screamed the first three years of life, so that was another <laughs> another struggle. Um, but he is an amazing teenager now, yeah. and our, our kids are just a gift. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. But if it wasn't for our faith, I don't know how. Um, I don't know how we would have made it. 
Yeah. So. yeah. Yeah. So another question. Um, so very much so you've indicated that your husband was very supportive. Your faith was a lot of your support. Where else did you find support? Um, and I want you to kind of share that just so for the listeners, like where can they seek out, search for support while they're going through their grief? That is a great question. Uh, we had loving support from uh, my parents and Brian's parents. So they were there um, willing and able to do anything we needed. Uh, it is very common for uh, people um, to not want help. So mm -hmm. um, we didn't take a lot of it. We didn't really need a lot of it. You know, a lot of it is just the physical and emotional healing and nobody can take care of that. Mm -hmm. um, but they were willing and able to do anything we needed. And just knowing that uh, really just makes you feel loved. Right. And then we had friends, um, some that really had no frame of reference for what we were going through. But again, they reached out, they offered the love and support. Um, and then again, those friends that have walked through it, um, my brother and sister-in-law, just knowing that they knew how we felt was important to me. Um, medical staff was good to a point, and that's a point that I want to make for people walking through this. Uh, and you and I have discussed this. Uh, it seems as though the medical staff is very wrapped up in protocol and understandably so because they specialize in medicine. Mm -hmm. But um, as far as the emotional support, they neither offer any, and, and I think they also don't um, give us resources. So mm -hmm. we weren't really pointed in a direction for resources. And I'm not saying we would have taken them, um, but some people I think definitely need them. So um, that sure. is something, if you feel like there is something, and when I say you, I don't mean you, but the listening audience, if they feel that they need something, um, need help, need a support group, the first place, if they don't have in their inner circle someone to reach out to, I would definitely go back to the medical office and ask, hey, can you point me in the direction of a support group? Because I am struggling with my emotions. Mm -hmm. uh, mental health is more in focus today now than it ever has been. And it was definitely not something that was as underscored during the time that I was going through this. I was pregnant four times in three years. So in those three years, there was not the spotlight on mental health that there is now. So definitely reach out. Sure, sure. And just to elaborate on that, for sure, if someone needs support, reach out to me. I can connect you. I can be uh, your support as a grief coach. And um, I can also guide you to a couple of support groups that I'm a part of. And there are others, you know, we are in the St. Louis area. Um, the support, one of the support groups um, is virtual that that I um, am a part of and, and that that I lead. So definitely look, seek out that support. If you don't have that supportive um, circle right around you, um, seek out that and mm -hmm. I can connect you for sure with that. And I think it's very important a lot of times to have those individuals and it is important to um, have that group especially if you don't have someone within your inner circle that can really understand 
what you're going through. And for you, Stacy, you did. You had immediate, um, you know, immediate family members, and it sounds like you had friends that truly knew, um, had a good indication of of how you felt. No one can feel exactly as we feel and what we're going through. That a uh, similarity, I would say, a close similarity to have a better understanding. And so to find those people in our life is super important. Mm-hmm. Super and I'd like important. to elaborate too. Um, we're talking about feelings here, but also there's a whole crud ton of emotions. Um, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. uh, hormones at play. Oh yeah. Our emotions. <laughs> so um, if you feel like you're losing your mind, you very well <laughs> are justified in feeling that way because one of the things that really frustrated me with the loss of Olivia, I was a full three months into this and um, with three of my pregnancies, the exception being the one that I really didn't know I was pregnant, uh, <laughs> I, my morning sickness, which I don't know why they call it just morning, but it was, mm. it was insanely strong and um, overwhelming at times. And I lost her and my body still thought I was pregnant because it had the, you know, all that stuff just doesn't go away immediately. So I am dealing with morning sickness while I am no longer pregnant and mourning the loss of the baby that I am having morning sickness for. I mean, mess with your head a little. (laughs) So that it's just, if you feel like you have a bunch of emotions that you don't know how to handle, Give yourself grace and know that there are resources out there. Yeah, good point. Good point. Yeah, um, people, you know, our society wants us to be, you know, move on. Like mm-hmm. everything's done. Like, you, yeah, you had the loss and let's move on. And to your point, how can you? You know, it's going to take four to six weeks for your body to even heal. And along with that, just all the emotions and everything else. I mean, it takes a long time just physically to heal from a from a miscarriage with hormones right. and, and all of that. And, you know, like you had indicated earlier and totally in agreement that, you know, it's just the grief is, is there. The loss is there is really what I should should say. The loss is there. It's within you all around you and and it changes through the years you know um it's not as heavy the emotions aren't as strong um it just changes through time and that only happens and i encourage people to make sure that you navigate through that in a very very healthy way because it can be done in a very unhealthy way absolutely uh one of the best things my husband did when he was walking through this with me is explain to me that he knew that he could not relate to what I was going through. He could not understand. And that means yeah. a lot um, because I can't understand what you went through, Teresa, because you are different than I am. And then you throw a different gender on top of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Men can relate to how women process things and they can't relate to the physical things that we're going through. I mean, you know, the, the bleeding and the procedures and all of these things, you know, you think miscarriage, end of pregnancy, end of story, but that's not the case. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. No, no, it's, it's here. It's with us. 
you know, for a prolonged period of time. Mm-hmm. So I want to just um, wrap some of this all up a little bit. I am pretty sure we could talk for another hour or so um, on this topic and many other topics that it would lead to. Um, it, and it is a little more difficult for people to sit and listen for a long period of time. So we're going to conclude this episode. And in doing so, I would love for you to just in a nice little bow, if you can, which is probably impossible, but wrap up um, just words of encouragement, insight for those women that maybe are first experiencing some of this. What would you say to your even younger self now, what you know now that you didn't know them then? Um, And just like I said, words of insight and encouragement for them. Very good. Um, Side note on encouragement. I would like to step outside of this question and encourage people that have not walked through this um, Mm -hmm. to just be very careful and conscious of what they say as they try to support people that walk through this. Mm -hmm. So um, I have had people say to me when they look at my boys when they were younger, not now, I mean, my They know I'm not working on um, having any more children, but people have said to me, so when are you going to try for your girl? (laughs) And oh my goodness, it's all I could do not to be like vomiting my story on them. Like, here's why, (laughs) because the girl, our only girl is in heaven, you know, and, and people don't mean ill when they say that, but just be conscious of how what you say could be taken through somebody who may be carrying hurts that you're unaware of and speaking to the one carrying those hurts or even you know someone that may uh, have this in their future give yourself grace um give yourself grace to feel the feelings okay feel it um don't shame yourself for the way you feel don't feel bad for feeling mad or sad or hurt or um you know you mentioned some people could feel angry at god my belief is that God is big enough for your anger. You want to be mm-hmm. mad at him? Get it off your chest. Get it out of your system. Uh, that doesn't mean that it just goes away, <laughs> but it's mm-hmm. part of processing the grief. Um, and you know more than I do about the depth of grief and how processing that just comes in waves. Um, but like I said, Brian and I discussed um, very recently our feelings with the loss of Olivia. In fact, her due date was April 18th. So we recently went through uh, discussing she would have been 14 and um, we both had a moment of our own emotion separate from each other because we we got up on the 18th and um, my routine is to help the boys get ready for school. His routine is to get up and go to work. So we did that. He We're in separate cities and then it hits us both like it's april 18th you know Mm -hmm. um these milestone dates don't go away so you will carry these details with you through your whole life and that is okay um memories are all we have so um it's bittersweet but embrace it process it feel it give yourself grace um the pain doesn't go away 
but you have different stages of it and phases of it. And so just know that the moment that you're in right now is not the moment that you're going to stay in and lean into the support that you have. If it's faith, lean into your faith. If it's your spouse, friends, family, lean into that. People want to help people mean well. And even when people um, put both feet in their mouth, like people will do. (laughs) For sure. (laughs) Take a deep breath and um, try not to unleash all of your pent up (laughs) pain and frustration on that poor unsuspecting soul. Um, And just know that as stupid as it sounds, they don't mean to hurt you. <laughs> it, it That's life, you know? Yes. <clears throat> we all have um, done that in life. Right, right. I've said <laughs> things. So. Put our foot in our mouth or whatever. <laughs> yeah, however you want to say it, we have done it. And I'm like, sure I'm not done doing it. <laughs> no, no. And so I love that you said that. Like, give them grace. Give yourself grace. So important. So I cannot say that enough, um, and I'm glad that you did as well. Um, yes, and feel those feelings. Let them, let them hit you. Let them come out. And in previous episodes, I won't go into it here and on social media and stuff. I've always shared ways to navigate through those emotions and coping skills and things to do with that. So we won't go into that here, but connect and uh, you can grab some of those resources in other in other episodes and on social media. So Stacy, I want to thank you again so very very much. So much words of encouragement, so many good um snippets that I was like, okay, I need to write this down. It's a good thing I have the recording so I can go back and write some things down that I just love what you said. So thank you so much for taking the time and sharing your story. Um of your family. I so much appreciate you. Thank you, Teresa. I appreciate this opportunity. You know, it's bad enough to go through the pain. Um, But if I can take this pain and turn it around and help anybody else that walks through this road, it's, um, it's funny, because I don't want to say it's worth it, but it's worth it. You you know what I mean? Um, Sure. Yeah, I do. It's definitely made something positive come out of this. um, And it's, it's definitely just, um, it's an opportunity for us to help each other. And I will be praying for all of your listeners, for anyone that hears this, that may be struggling with this now or in the future. Just, I pray that um, the Lord heals your heart and uses my story to help you just take it one step, one day at a time. Thank you. enjoyed this podcast and found it helpful, please consider sharing it. And if you do share it on social media, tag me so that I can personally thank you because I really do appreciate uh, you sharing it. And this really is the best way that we can connect and support others on this journey. And also, if you can take a minute and write a review or comment on this episode, or ask a question. Those are the ways that I can continue to create valuable and supportive content for you and the other listeners. 
And of course, if you have not yet connected with me, I would love for you to find me on social media. On Facebook, you can find me at Teresa Warner Reiniger. On Instagram, Teresa Reiniger. And on both Instagram and Facebook, you can find me at Living After Grief. If you need support and are feeling alone on your journey, I am here to support you. I am looking forward to being with you again next week. So continue to share your story to help others feel inspired and to give them hope on their journey. Until next week, have a peaceful and blessed week.